You, you, you are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast. It's definitely, you know, fishing is one of the. You go out whether it's anywhere, and I I love the adventure part of it. Um, the places that I get to go to, and some of the things that I get to do, and you know. I barely touched anything and scratched the surface of anything really. And we live in such a beautiful part of the world and let alone this province. Um, Mm -hmm. I just feel so lucky to be able to, to do all this really. Um, I guess it fills a, it fills a hole that I didn't know was, was empty or it was there, but, uh, I love it. Welcome to the fly fishing 97 podcast, capturing the fly fishing life. Featuring in-depth conversation with fly fishers from all walks of life. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com, an online fly shop, your source for all things fly fishing. DamianAndy.com, featuring custom music by Damian Anderson. Find out more at D-A-M-I-O-N-A-N-D-Y.com. Broken Tippet Fly Company. For blog and fly fishing apparel, check out brokentippet.com. And Wait For It Films. For action-packed fly fishing videos and camera-related content, visit Wait For It Films on YouTube or at thewaitcreativeco.com. Get ready for the 2023 fly fishing season with the Fly Crate. We have hundreds of trout, bass, panfish, and saltwater flies, ranging from the classic elk hair caddis to jigged Euro nymphs. Join thousands of other fly anglers who fish with the fly crate. Listeners of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast get 10% off their first order, plus receive free shipping on all U.S. orders over $45. Order today. Go to www.theflycrate.com and use the promo code FLYFISH97 to save 10%. Welcome to this edition of the Flyfish97 podcast. We've been on a little hiatus. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta confess, we've been, we've been trying to put a swimming pool in the backyard, and this is proving to be the epic project between landscaping, excavation. I'm in over my head, but we're getting her done. And I kind of let this slip a little bit, and I'm missing it. Um, we're going to head out to, well, I'll say West Bank, West K for uh, those uh, younger ones. Uh, we've got Sam Double Dam on the line, uh, an avid fly fisher, Stillwaters Rivers. He's actually headed out to a river right now, uh, heavy equipment operator. We've got tons we can talk about. Sam, I, I really appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Um, how you doing, first off? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Mark. It's a uh, it's a huge honor to to do this. And like I said earlier, I've been listening to you for years, and it's great to finally have a conversation with you rather than just the other side of it, just listening to it. Uh, to pre- you, you know, <laughs> appreciate you, man. So, so where are you at right now? Uh, right now, I'm kind of parked somewhere near the Eagle River. Um, don't want to say too much, but uh, <laughs> no, we're gonna. Try and go after some bull trout and uh, something that's new for me. The river thing is new for me. Yeah. So are you primarily a Stillwaters guy? Yeah, I am. Um, You know, fly fishing didn't really enter my life until about four or five years ago. And uh, it was all Stillwater up until until this this spring. This spring, actually, I had the... um, 
a friend of mine reached out and uh, asked if I wanted to do a last minute trip up to Terrace hmm. to try and go for steelhead. And it's something that um, I've seen guys do online for a long time and never had uh, the opportunity to actually go and do it. So we did it and I just got hooked, <laughs> hooked on that double handed rod. Yeah. How, how many years ago was that roughly? That was this spring. Holy crap. So this is new. The, well, the, the river stuff, yeah. yeah the still yeah. water was about four four years ago, five five years ago maybe was the first time I picked up a, a fly rod. Well, you're, you're in a pretty good spot there. So, I mean, in the West Bank area, uh, you're just a hop, skip, and a jump from where I'm at. So we're probably fishing a lot of the same waters. And, uh, you know, if you head up 97C, you head up, there's so many lakes kind of between Merritt and Kamloops that you're not really that far from. Um Maybe tell me a little bit, Sam, about kind of who influenced you. So if you had to name a few names, like whether it's somebody from the fly shop that kind of <laughs> gave you a few pointers or uh, good buddies, like who would you look to as kind of mentors, if that makes sense? You know, um, when I first started getting into it a few years ago, YouTube was my best friend. Um, mm-hmm. Jordan Ulrich did quite a bit. I shouldn't say quite a bit. He did a little bit online as well as Brian Chan did a lot online. And those two guys, I I can honestly say I've probably watched their YouTube stuff five, six, seven times over and over and over again. And even podcasts with you that you have with some of those guys that um, that do some bigger fish, have some bigger fish days, um, I'll listen to over and over again. And so that's kind of where that started. And, but as far as uh, the learning curve, you know, you really got to, I found it, it didn't matter what I kind of, how much I watched or read or anything until you went out on the water. And if you can find somebody uh, that'll mentor you, you'll definitely take a huge, um, you'll save a lot of time. Yeah, you know, you, you definitely will, and not only that, but it's definitely more enjoy enjoyable with a friend when you can enjoy it. And I like fishing by myself, but uh, yeah, um, I have one friend, and I'm meeting him out here. His name is Dennis. He's a uh, he's a great still stillwater guy, and uh, another guy that I spent a lot of time with last season was uh, Daniel Tarbox. Oh, is that right? Yeah, he's uh, I yeah. know him and Phil and. Awesome. Uh, I had the pleasure of meeting them a few years ago and um hmm. yeah just spending a few even just the first few days on the water with Daniel really just it was I was able to dial in kind of you know I was I felt like I was 60 70% there and then a little bit mm-hmm. extra critique in these little areas and um yeah you know it helps a lot do do you find you got to be open to that like sometimes I I think you kind of learn when you're ready to learn. You know what I mean? Like I've had Daniel on the show and that guy's a pretty passionate dude. Um, he comes at it a little differently than some, but I really enjoyed chatting with him. Super fishy guy. You talk about Phil. We've had Phil on numerous times, Phil Rowley. And uh, that guy's a still water legend for sure. But do you find in your headspace you kind of got to be ready to soak it in? Yeah, I think that comes with anything in life. Um 
I've always tried to have a positive mindset when it comes to new things. Um, something that I tell myself is you got to be coachable if you want to learn something. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's just something that I've kind of, yeah, I've just lived, lived, lived by that. And mm-hmm. um, the things that I spend my time in and, and focus my time in, I just, I seek mentorship and I look for, the things that uh, will, that'll help me improve, whether that be at uh, work or mm. or with uh, fishing, or I'm a huge golfer, so golf golf as well, or wherever that is in my life. So I can't say that I'm anywhere near perfect, but uh, yeah, you know, mm. we all try. <laughs> um, well, then we now you throw golf out there. I know we got even more to talk about, but. Um... You know, I haven't been in, I haven't even been out this year. I hate to say it. I've just been in the weeds all spring and summer. But man, um, I do I do love golf. I got a brother that's a professional golfer, and it's so uh, ingrained in in my family. But where where do you play most of your golf? Are you playing like Shannon Lake area? Where where are you playing your golf? Yeah, I I like a lot of Shannon Lake and Two Eagles. Unfortunately, I'm very close to Two Eagles, and they have the training facility there, so hmm. I do spend some time there. And uh, some friends golf a lot at Summerland, and that's a really really nice course. What's your handicap? You- I, I don't have one. I'm thinking about <laughs> setting it up next year and doing that. Um, right. I, again, it's just the last couple of years I've started to really focus my time into into it and slowly but surely right you seem like a guy that's found a lot of passions in the past few years um you know when i grew up i i played uh minor hockey my pretty much my whole life and that took up a lot of my time Mm -hmm. and then when i came out of high school i i did jump right into it kind of working a lot of hours and stuff yeah so i did find myself you know, as I got a little bit older, need you know, you need to step back. You need to find some hobbies. What do you enjoy? Mm-hmm. And I kind of looked at what I what I enjoy to do with my time, what I get fulfilled by. And, um, you know, fishing kind of was that for me, especially when I picked up a fly rod. It was just nonstop. I, I don't like gear fishing. Or anything like that. It's I have nothing against people that do it. It's just I prefer. I find it more a lot more fun on, yeah. on a fly rod, right? Um, but uh, hmm. so okay, Sam. Let's let's take some time to get to know you and your day to day, kind of in your hood, which isn't too far from mine. You ready for a few random questions that uh, get to know what you're up to? Yeah, let's do it. All right, man. So you're headed up the Coke. You're headed up you know, highway 97, wherever you're headed to kind of hit your still or moving water. What is playing on the stereo on the way there? You know, if I'm by myself, I'm definitely listening to some country or uh, soft indie rock. Um, if I'm with friends, we're definitely, uh, we're game planning. That's for sure. <laughs> we're uh, figuring out what's, what, what we're going to do on the lake and, and most of the time we'll have a, a second backup and kind of a time during the day where we'll, uh, we'll have to cut her off and move on. But country and, uh, the soft rock, you know? Yeah. 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 
So, okay, so let's take this to the still. So if you're flipping that fly box open, what's one go-to pattern that you reach for a lot? Chronomids or are we looking at attractors? You know, why don't we do both? Why don't you throw a chrony pattern at me and then and then and then a go-to kind of attractor pattern? I love the darker chronomids. Um, I love fishing them closer to the bottom. Um, and so I definitely throw something on um, very slim. I like my slim chronomids. Not a lot of uh, thread to them. Thin to wing, baby. Yeah. Yeah. The less the better. Yeah. And um, sometimes I've been experimenting a little bit without a bead head as well. I know some guys lately have been talking about that to you. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's been, a it's been okay. As far as the tractors go, I'm, I'm a big blob guy. Oh, really? Um, See, you uh, could school me on this, man. Like I, I struggle with that pattern. How, how are you fishing it? Uh, you know, just under an indicator, I find that hmm. I use, I, I'll, I'll put them side by side with a chronomet if I'm fishing by myself. Um, and you know, mostly the chronomids will start taking off, but if the blobs, you know, some people will fish a leech and they'll say that they'll get a leech for, they'll hit the leech for dessert maybe after a big chronomid hatch. And I feel I've had success like that with blobs as well, but also when they're just unhappy fish, very unhappy fish, um, you're not really targeting, you know, you're not finding a lot of feeding fish on the lake. Mm-hmm. and um you're marking them you can see bugs hatching but you're just not figuring it out and you're more just trying to aggravate them and try to put something flashy in front of them to yeah hopefully not go home skunk you know <laughs> <laughs> what about go to color in the blob like is there is there a particular color you find more effective in your area um not really um I mostly do the pinks and the pinks and um, yellow, but I find it really depends on the lake and it really depends on time of year. And um, most of the day um, when I'm at that point in the day and in my mindset, any, anyway, I'm, I'm bouncing through flies. So I'm probably trying most of the colors anyway. (laughs) And uh, you know, so. Um, so close yeah. to the bottom, is this a suspension thing? Is it close to the indie? Like how, how far normally would you fish that under an indicator? I just do it like, uh, like normal, just like a chronomet. I will start at the bottom and just slowly work my way up. Hmm. And, um, I usually will wait about five to eight minutes in between moving, uh, depths. Yeah. And, um, yeah, depending on the lake or how clear it is, well, I might move it six inches or sometimes a foot or two, depending on uh, stuff. But with stillwater fly fishing, there's so many variables, you yeah. know, and that's what I really like about that as well as golf is there's not a lot of common denominators when it comes to it. And there's a lot of variables that take into play. And a lot of that has to do with you and, and what you're doing and how you're presenting or 
where you're fishing or how you're fishing right mm-hmm. and uh, it puts a lot of it onto you um yeah and uh, I, I like that a lot hmm. so i mean i i assume you're probably a trout waters guy but one question i like to ask sam is i kind of where do you get your fix on fishing when you're not fishing so like is it is it instagram is it is it a fly shop? Is it a coffee shop? Where, where do you get your fill when you're not in your uh, boat? You know, it, social media is great these days. You can open up the Instagram and it's just full of people catching around you on the lakes and the rivers around you. So you're able to get updated uh, as well as kind of get your fix. But also you can, you can, see elsewhere too right and um up north or down south and got a little taste for some new stuff mm-hmm. i do like to talk to pretty much anybody that'll listen to me but if uh <laughs> if you ask anyone around my life uh they're tired of hearing about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I i get that i get that in common. Oh, trout waters is great yeah. um you know bobby in there he's uh He's been great to me over the years. About five years ago, uh, I don't think he remembers this, but they uh, he taught me how to cast in one of their hmm. casting tutorials they used to do. Uh, I think they still do them at Knox Park there. And yeah, and uh, after that, it was it was great. Yeah, anytime uh, I do something new or need something, broken rods or anything, and those guys are unbelievable. They unbelievable. Are. We're talking about trout waters in Kelowna, British Columbia. We've had Bobby on the show too, and uh, we're trying to get uh, Nick or Savas to come on, but those guys are super busy. Um, yeah, I love it. L- let's talk sports. So I assume you're probably a you know like a West Kelowna Warriors guy. Is it is it Canucks hockey? Is it football? Is it baseball? Where do you get your fill when it comes to the world of sports? I'm a huge Oilers fan. Wow. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I grew up with a lot of hockey and, uh, these days I don't watch a whole ton of sports, but I do follow my Oilers quite well. They have, they, they always seem to get amazing draft picks over the last, well, geez, the last quite a few years and, and just so <laughs> much talent in that base. Right. It's like, um, they're always a team to be reckoned with for sure. And, uh, it always amazes me how many people in British Columbia are, Oilers or Flames fans, it's just like, it's killing me, but it's okay. I got it. That's my problem. I got to deal with that. <laughs> um, did you play a lot of hockey growing up? I did, yeah. A lot of minor hockey growing up, and um, I didn't do anything with it after that. You know, I, uh, mm-hmm. nothing else to put it, but, you know, wasn't really good enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, it's a, that bar is pretty damn high. Um, yeah. Let's, let's talk about, um, lessons learned so um why do you do this like sam why do you think you spend so much time on the water at the time vice or uh, like what, what does it bring into your world it's definitely you know fishing is one of the you go out whether it's anywhere and i i love the adventure part of it um the places that I get to go to and some of the things that I get to do. And, you know, 
I barely touched anything and scratched the surface of anything really. And we live in such a beautiful part of the world and let alone this province. Um, Mm -hmm. I just feel so lucky to be able to, to do all this really. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I guess it fills a, it fills a hole that I didn't know was, was empty Hmm. or that was there, but, uh, I love it. It's, it's, uh, it's addicting and yeah. I love the way you verbalize that. <laughs> fills a hole I didn't know was there. Because I, I can relate to that. Like before I found, I mean, I've been fly fishing since I was probably a teenager, but you don't know until you know, right? It's like it's like the golf thing or, or whatever. It, when you get out and you do it and, and, and it kind of, it's like a little light bulb goes on. It's like, hmm, where's this been, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's been a solid couple of years and, and I definitely thought I would get over it and sick of it by now as I did most things, but, um, I just keep going and going and going and it's turning into more types of fish and I'm addicted to catching it all on the, on the fly rod. And even, uh, the little bit of ice fishing that I do, uh, I will definitely, it'll be all single barbless hook and, hmm. um, trying to do that. But, uh, yeah, sorry, lost my train of thought there. No. I just get going on the fishing stuff. <laughs> I get it. So, um, like, are you chasing different species where you're at? Because I know you've got some bass fisheries in your neck of the woods, some perch. I mean, is it all about trout for you? Yeah, you know, this it, I've been fishing for Stillwater Rainbow Trout consistently for the last three or four years, and then. Um, I would, it was this spring that I went steelheading and, uh, it, I caught, I was fortunate enough to catch one. I went for seven days on the river and fortunate enough to catch one on my first day, Hmm. nothing on the rest of the days, but I, I left feeling accomplished, but it unlocked something to me for catching on the river. And, uh, so now I have been exploring these, these river things or the river, (laughs) river things, the, the rivers around where we live more and, uh, and it's uh, it's been great, yeah. Good stuff. We've got Sam Doubledam on the show. He's a heavy equipment operator out of West Bank, British Columbia, Canada. Avid fly fisher, whether it's still waters or rivers. He's uh, he's on a river right now, and he's heading out tomorrow. Um, I I'm curious about jobs. I always like to talk careers. I don't I don't know why I find it kind of fascinating. And I know being a heavy equipment operator. Uh, and I'm not looking to slam anything you're doing, but is this the best gig you've had so far, Sam? You know, it's, uh, it, it pays, it pays well. Um, I'm 25 now, so I still got some things to, to figure out. It's, I love the job. I love the satisfaction that comes from it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but as I grow older and more of a passion for this fly fishing, I'm really opening up my brain and trying to figure out ways to generate and some sort of income to do this more with my life with wherever that looks or however that looks. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so I'm definitely thinking more down that route, but uh, as far as jobs that uh, I don't, I know you, you like to ask the worst job. Um, <laughs> yeah, I do. 
I uh, I did. I went to school right out of high school for welding, and uh, it it was not for me. Hmm. No, super dirty, super hot, and then it's super cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. I I got buddies with a lot of welders. I know what you're saying. Um, when like if you were talking to somebody that was looking to get into excavation, heavy equipment. What would you tell them about the day-to-day? Like, I'll be honest with you. It's not a world I know, but I've been around it the last three, four months because we've had a lot of uh, earth. We took 21 dump trucks uh, of fill out of my property. to. We're trying to put in a pool. So it was like I'm watching this going, man, this is kind of addictive in the way that you're moving earth. You're You're... At the end of the day, you see your accomplishment. Like, I don't always see that in my day job. Like, it might take a year to, to realize the results of what I'm doing. But just, you know what I mean? Like, there's something about construction, something about heavy equipment. You go, we graded this today. This is the grade. This is flat. This is totally different. We've changed the landscape. Like, there's got to be some satisfaction in that. Yeah, and that's exactly, that's what it hits home for me. And, you know, I think that people can have two options and when it comes to their jobs and they can kind of, I don't want to say settle, but find a job that they're comfortable with and that pays well and they, you know, eventually maybe get sucked into it through um, uh, financial decisions, uh, whether it be a home or vehicles, or they can choose to, you know, kind of chase that dream and find that dream and and mm-hmm. kind of do what they're passionate about. And, um, yeah. It's cool. So one of my best, uh, buddies is a heavy equipment guy. He's has his own business down the coast and he built apartment buildings and condos. And he looked at my yard and he's like, yeah, that's easy. We're just going to, we're just going to level that. And I'm looking like, it takes a certain eye to do that. Like the, the, most people don't have that, but once you've been doing that, you kind of see the potential before, the earth moves there's a lot of vision yeah you know yeah you gotta have uh one guy's gonna tell you what it needs to look like afterwards and it's gonna he's gonna tell you it a certain way in his head and you're gonna have to try and understand it in your head (laughs) yeah and then uh and then you gotta deliver that Mm -hmm. uh, i always thought i could see things but honestly i couldn't see it until it was done and i went hmm that that, you know when when that's your every day you see it probably but yeah, it's pretty yeah. cool. I, I, I find it a fascinating game for sure. Um, so we talked jobs. We talked best job. We talked worst job. Um, what about locations? Is there anywhere you've been with that fly rod that, I mean, without naming secret spots that you want to go back to, it was like, wow, this is the holy grail for me so far. Terrace. Ah, so steelhead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. not even necessarily steelheading, but... Um... Just being up there was was wow. Yeah. Just you know, I think that anybody that's been up there can testify to that. It's uh, it's just so big, and then you stand at the bottom of a river and the, look up above you, and it's just, mm. it, it, yeah. To me, it was uh, it was uh, speechless. Yeah, I'm I have nothing to say about it right now other than I'm speechless still. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. So um, it, it, you mentioned you're heading out for bull trout, and I don't want to name secret spots, but is this something you've done before? Or is this a new kind of venture? Nope. 
friend uh well first time was about two weeks ago wow so um we're gonna go hit up some other areas that are a little bit uh close to it and then we're gonna try and explore some new areas a little bit high higher up maybe and um and yeah like i said I'm, i'm pretty new to the whole river thing so it's all really new to me and eye-opening to me and I'm back to to just swing in a, a fly line to not really knowing what I'm doing anymore. <laughs> well, but see, th- that's what I think a lot of people don't... Like, there's so many different avenues and rabbit holes we can jump down in the world of fly fishing. Like, um, I've never ventured into bull trout. Well, I shouldn't say that. I did a little bit on the Elk River and got into some big bulls and it just rocked my world um but i don't have a drift boat so that's not my everyday um but i i get the attraction to that it's like you know you're fishing for these little cutties or these little rainbows that are pretty and they fight but all of a sudden you got the chance at a monster that's going to take you into your backing like that must have been an eye opener for you yeah yeah when um when I first started getting into fly fishing and I heard of river fishing around the Okanagan, that's, that's exactly what I thought it was, was little, uh, you know, pretty bull trout and the wild rainbows and stuff. And it's beautiful. It's great. But you know, unless you have a three weight or a really long four weight or something, um, it's, uh, you're pretty much just reeling in that fish. Right. And I, I love the excitement of fighting a fish on a fly rod and, and um how aggressive they can feel and uh -hmm. yeah what sam what what type of patterns are you throwing for these guys are these are these real weighted kind of uh minnow patterns or like talk walk me through the fly box this on this excursion you're headed um you know i uh I actually don't even, uh, I don't own any, any flies for these. I'm just using what's out of my, my friend's box. So some super, uh, I don't know if I can get super technical about saying what they are cause yeah. they're not mine, okay. yeah, <laughs> but, right. uh, pretty basic stuff. Um, nothing fancy at all, but, um, definitely something to create some contrast in the water. Hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I definitely just try and base it off of what I know from still water and, Right now, that's uh, watercolor and how, you know, yeah. if the water's moving and how fast it is and, and, uh, and yeah. Is, is fly tying something you've ventured into yet or is that kind of on the list? Yeah, it definitely was. Um, not something you probably hear quite often, but I, I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, I actually do hear that. Believe it or not, Sam. Yeah, I'd be shocked how many people told me that. Like, I don't want to. I just want to go buy my flies, and I I get that. But I I'm just curious, kind of where your head's at with that. Yeah. Um. As I'm getting a, a little bit more into fly the stillwater and other types of fly fishing, I'm definitely finding the need to do it myself, especially when I started to heavily chronomet fish. Um you can go to trout waters and you can try and imitate some throat samples, but yeah, I think it's just not the same. And when you start putting a lot of days on the water with a lot of, um, different lakes and going through different hatches throughout the day, you can really start to look at your, what you thought you had a big box of chronomets and then it it just looks so small. 
mm-hmm. all of a sudden so quickly. And so I really found that if I wanted to excel, especially at the chronomets and picking up the, uh, the vice and the time materials a little more consistently was, was much needed. And, and as I'm doing it more, I'm, I'm starting to enjoy it more, mm-hmm. but, um, it's the hands and just paying attention. I can probably do half a dozen, maybe eight, and then I need to step away, you know, yeah. or, or that's it for the night. Yeah. But no, I think, I think, I think that's very normal. Like I don't get these guys and gals that sit down and tie 24 of anything. It's like for me, it's oh, like... or the commercial guys, you know? Yeah. Um, I've been there and it's not my wheelhouse, but Hey, whatever works, right. I'm, I'm yeah. you know, yeah. For me, it's a it's a means to an end. So it's a means to catch fish. I'm not trying to tie flies to impress anybody. So I think we all tie for different reasons. I know some of the some of the guys and gals that tie the prettiest flies don't even barely fish. You know what yeah. I mean? They're, they're tires, and uh, they're damn good at it. So it's like yeah. everyone's coming at it. It, it is an art, and uh, everyone's coming at it from a different point of view. I just. I find it fascinating. I just love the opportunity, Sam, where you can go, this is what uh, Black Sally is to me. I'm going to do it with this spin, you know, on this hook, um, with this tungsten bead, because that, that's where you can really drive the bus. Like for me, a lot of commercial patterns, usually they're doing it to scale and trying to do it cost effectively but sometimes when you use different materials um better beads better hooks you can really drive the the needle a bit i totally agree and that i think you hit it right on the nail that that was just it you can dial in the different things whether it be the wire or even the glue yeah right i think we all know the the whole glue uh situation out there right and different uh do you use a lot of UV resin, or what do you use no, on your chronomets? No, I use the Sally's. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it's the stuff I find that doesn't change the color as much. Yeah, that's yes. the right way yes. to say that. Yeah. Um, because it's hard. You go into your fly shop, and you say, okay, I want this color, this color, this color, this color. But then you, you, you need to take into account mm-hmm. your you're gluing right um yeah and it's just yeah. frustrating so yeah so are you um i know you're heading fishing tomorrow so are you at a campsite right now where are you on the side of where are you calling us from i'm really curious uh, without being yeah, too specific I'm actually just at a pullout uh i don't know the name of it <laughs> are you on but... mara lake or what lake are you on um i'm i pass i'm just past mara i, pass, I did yeah. pass it a little bit ago yeah yeah is yeah. it is it dark yet no, not not quite. No, but uh, we have some crazy thunderstorms tonight. Oh man, they were hitting hard. And uh, when I left West Bank, and yeah, and then I passed them on West Side Road, and now they're catching up to me here. So I see lots of fires have started, but hopefully they get a lot of that handled. And we we had a couple uh, pop up down south here, and but they they I wouldn't say they put them out, but they're on them, uh, which is good. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh it's a crazy dry year, so this is uh this is this is important. And that's one thing I think about it and then growing up I never thought about it. You're in the bush, you are camping, you're hitting your favorite lake or your favorite river, creek, whatever. 
Um, you don't think about, well, guess what? There might be a lightning strike and then there, and then everything's lighting up around me. That, that's kind of a new, that's a new thought to me. It's like, how do I get out of here? You know what I mean? <laughs> no, yeah. Right. It's like, we never yeah. used to, th- I never used to think about that, but, uh, it's definitely something that's on the brain, especially when it comes to the, uh, summer doldrums and it's, uh, you know, pushing a hundred degrees Fahrenheit in the Valley bottom. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think it's just going to get worse. Um, You see what happened with all the lakes this year and the winter kills. Um, And uh, I think that's just Mother Nature not happy. And um, I I can't see it getting any better. I think, you know, as years go on, we're going to have to start traveling more north and uh, to to uh, to catch up to it. Yeah, I I agree with the the elevation thing, the and and I don't know if you chase hatches, but that's something I've done my whole life. It's like, okay, so we know at 3200 feet this is what's happening. But you can echo that a month later, another 1000 feet higher and relive that experience, which to me is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely try and chase it um up in the spring and down in the fall as much as i can i don't uh i don't take it to a level that i know some guys do with uh um you know dated diaries and and stuff like that uh i try to keep everything on my phone and maps and you know even pictures these days they have so much information just in the info text of the picture that you've taken of where it is and all that sort of stuff Sam, what what are you fishing out of when you're doing still water these days? Or like, are you in a you know a, a aluminum old school? Or are you in a some type of uh, journey kind of slash Spratly kind of thing? Uh, you know, pontoon. What are you fishing out of? Uh, I started with everything, um, the the belly boat to the twelve foot, um, and then I upgraded to a fourteen foot. Uh, this spring, I was fortunate enough to pick up a lo- something a little bit bigger. Uh, so I got a 1648 tracker with um, a 30, 30 horsepower Mercury on the back. Wow, that's a big one. Yeah, and um, it's it's been fantastic. Unfortunately, it's uh, right after my break-in procedure. I'm having some issues with it, so it's in the shop right now. And that's another reason why I'm on the river. Well, what kind of motor you got now it's a mercury mercury 30 horse you said that's a big motor for 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 our neck of the woods Hmm. yeah um i just i wanted something that was uh sturdy enough to bring a couple friends along yeah um but uh some other smaller motors when you start putting some weight into those bigger boats um it's just not quite enough, so yeah, um, yeah, it does the job. It's great. Cool. I, I'm going to ask you to paint us a picture, man. So, like, your perfect day. If you could have your day exactly how Sam Double Dam wants it, what does that look like? Like, are we talking a still? Is it is it summer? Is it spring? Uh, oh, we're definitely still water fishing. Okay. Um, paint us a picture, time. man. Yeah. Um, you know, nice, cold, brisk morning, maybe, uh, a little bit of frost or dew and you get some nice fog on the lake when you roll up 
and uh, it's a nice cold morning with maybe some some uh, fast action stuff uh, on the top or or in the shallows, you know, and uh, into some really heavy, steady Kahneman action. Absolutely. Yeah. And with a friend. Yeah. That's important to me too. Like I, trust me, I did my fair share of fishing back in the day solo, but there's something about, if you don't, and I think social media fills that gap too. If, if nobody else sees it, did it really happen? So when you share it with somebody, there's something comforting in that. You know what I mean? It's, uh, I don't know. I agree. Yeah. I don't know how to verbalize it, but for me, it makes a difference when you got a good buddy to experience it. I think that's the best way that you could have described it is, uh, did it really happen? <laughs> yeah, right, right. It's, it's like, a good way to feel it, yeah. But you know what's funny is I can't tell you how many times I went fishing on my own, had the most epic day, and it still seemed hollow. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So... Have you had any crazy wildlife encounters? I always like to ask about weird and wonderful things that happen to you on the water. So whether it's on the moving water, on the still water, is there any thing that you would go, man, this was weird? Um, you know, I think we've all seen some, some crazy stuff out there. Definitely with, uh, we've all had our fair share of loon battles and, and, uh, maybe even some Eagle stuff, but, this spring actually i was out with some friends and um we were classic chronomer fishing uh just off the side of the boat and 20 feet of water and uh it was just just a classic hit within a second and a half that fish was straight straight out of the water and he actually hit the side of our boat (laughs) landed in the boat and uh yeah, we we tried for about 20 25 minutes to bring this guy back to life, but he just he just succumbed. <laughs> so so were you doing the dangle or did you have an indie on? What happened there? Uh that one was the indie. So I mean, kind of like the dangle off the side of the boat, but yep. just with an indie without the intermediate. So bobber down into yeah. the boat, out cold, you're like okay. Yeah. yeah. It's hmm. crazy. Yeah. yeah. I've seen that happen. Uh, not not necessarily to that degree, but I have seen them. They've landed in my boat a few times. Um, wild. So talk to me about gear, man. Like, are you a gearhead in that you're like, I need to use this rod, I need this length, I need this weight, or are you just, just I'm getting out there with what I have. What does that um, look like for you? You know, I think I love... I do like, I, I like to say I love the 10 foot five weight for the still water. I have a few of them. I'm a big Temple Fork Outfitters guy. Um, but I think that's also just because that's what I bought. Um, if I were to say be running something a little bit longer or, uh, sorry, a little bit stiffer and a little bit shorter or something. And I'd be had a couple of those for the last couple of years. I probably would have sworn on those. Hmm. Um, but um, I do enjoy the the ten foot five weight for the still water. Um, I'm I am picky about my lines though. Okay. My, uh, I don't mind spending an extra couple bucks on a fancier line. My favorite is the SA Enduro. Um, 
I have the smooth and the textured and I do prefer the textured just because it likes to, I find that it just with, it runs off of the eyelids a little bit better and it's just mm-hmm. a little bit smoother, but uh, I am picky about my, my line. Yeah. I got to admit, I do have a pet peeve when I go on sites or um, people are talking about their preferences, but I agree with you. I kind of think I know what you're saying there. You have what you have, so you like it. But if you haven't tried everything else, how do you know? So for me, it's like, and some of these pros and some of these people that are getting paid to fish certain things are going to push that. So for me, it's like when I hear something that's neutral and it's like, okay, uh, I've used this. It was okay. I've used this. I've used that. But they're not, nobody's paying them to say anything. So for me, like what you just said there was, was quite valuable because fly lines for me is like, it's a rabbit hole that I, I don't know, and um, probably should There's do a, so much. Oh, right! I sh- I probably should do a deep dive on this show with maybe somebody from SA or Airflow or whatever name name a company. Um, there's a lot of great lines out there, and uh, I I know I use wor- what works for me. But like you said, if it's what you have, it's what you know. So you're probably you know it's like same with car with trucks. If somebody says, well, "What's the best truck?" Well, most people say what they have, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like maybe you haven't tried the best yet, right? Yeah. The will the one thing I will say though is um, for anyone like wondering about different uh, manufacturers, I definitely highly suggest taking a look at Temple Fork Outfitters. They're um, all around just a great company, very affordable when it comes to their low, mid, or high, even their high range stuff is very affordable. But better yet is their their replacement is distance yeah. better to none. They're located in Ca- Calgary. And, uh, you know, if you send that off, you print off a piece of paper, and you're sending that off in the mail and you're getting that back. And if you don't see it in two weeks, I'd be surprised. Yeah. Well, you sound like my my good fishing buddy. He's a Temple Fork guy. That's what he uses. I mean, he has yeah. other rods, but it's his go-to. Um, yeah. I've never owned one. He loves it, um, and 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 I respect that because the the price point is real good. Same with like Echo. Same with like Douglas. There's 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 so many companies out there, and I, I gotta admit, I'm an Orvis guy, but I'm only an Orvis guy because I spent the money and I went, holy crap, this is a great rod. But I've also had great Reddingtons and great Sages and great uh, Saint Croix and great you know, name a company yeah. doesn't doesn't matter, right? It's like yeah. for me, it's more it's more the action. You, do you want a fast action rod? Do you want a ten foot rod? Do you want an eight foot rod? It's it's a it's a rabbit hole. You can definitely do a deep dive into as well. I guess now that we're pinpointing that, I never thought about it too much, but. I think the biggest reason I did pick Temple Fork was just because of how easy it was to replace those, those sections, you know, um, Mm -hmm. shit happens. These are very flexible and fragile rods. Like the tips of these 10 foots are probably smaller than an eighth of an inch. Um, or yeah. uh, And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, flopping around in the boat, in the truck, moving spots, uh, dogs, that's a terrible one. You know, <laughs> you got, dogs have you got are, dogs? Are I have uh, one dog. Yeah, my one buddy always, you know, he always ends up bringing his dog too. So sometimes we got two dogs in the boat. And, right. Um, and they rile each other up. And, you know, you got two two lines that are half, 
half you know in the boat plus you got three extra rods sitting on the side of the boat and hmm. uh, what but, kind of uh, what kind of dog you got uh, my dog's name is Ginger, and she's uh, she's a bit of a mutt. She's a beagle yeah. English. She's a beagle pug English bulldog Boston Terrier. So if you mm-hmm. can picture like a thirty-five pound miniature boxer, hmm. fawn fawn boxer. And, how uh, how old? Uh, she, I think she'll be six this oh. year. Nice. Yeah, we got her as a pup, and and she loves the water. She loves to fish, and and uh i try to get out get her out there as much as i can but with the heat and it's pretty hard hard on her when you got a fish on does she go snaky or does she is she totally chill you know she's she's learned that when she hears the snap of the line snapping through the water that it's uh it's fish time and she'll just get up and she'll bring her little head to the side of the boat and Mm-hmm. And got to give it the the old inspect, and <laughs> and then off we go. Maybe the th- she'll help with a throat sample, and uh, and then we'll release it. What yeah. do you put? What do you put your throat samples into? Have you got like? A, are you using like a film canister? Is it a little uh, clear jar? What do you What are you using? Yeah, I'd use some old Smokies uh, moonshine jars. Um, I found the ones in stores just weren't big enough for some of the pumps that you would take and you'd end up spilling over. Yeah. So, uh, I think I had some from some trips I was taking and, uh, yeah, they end up, they work really well. Sam, what kind of landing net? Are you a, um, Moby guy? What what are you using there? (laughs) Um, not, not brand specific at all. Um, but about two years ago I started, you know, catching fish, that were uh, a little bit bigger. So I found myself needing a bigger net and I found a very, very old Moby on Facebook marketplace that I picked up from a very nice old lady and uh, I paid uh, $80 for it. And it's so old. You can just barely see the Moby inscribed on it on the, on the base of the handle there and uh, thinking about getting it redone, but yeah, it's classic. It's got a long handle. It's great. I think a lot of people don't realize how on still water fishing, how important the net is because like you say, with that reach, but also being wooden. So it floats like I was an idiot back in the day and I had like, you know, metal nets and whatever. And, and, and they float away from the boat and well, they don't, they sink. Right? So it's like, I, I don't know if you've been there, done that, but like I was, oh, yeah. I think about that. It's like, okay, Maybe this net should float, right? <laughs> oh, well, when uh, the first time I went to go do a throat sample off the side of the boat, I think it was, and it was like, okay, I got the, I got the, the syringe or the thing in the one hand, and then I went to go uh, <laughs> grab the fish, realizing that my net's about to drop, and I, I yeah, I realized this isn't going to work. <laughs> yeah, no, I've been there, and yeah. the, the, that's the one thing I love about Moby's. Yes, they're more expensive than you know, uh, composite slash metal slash whatever. But if the net isn't wooden, you're probably going to lose it pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. What's on the list? What's on the do list, man, for the next few years? Like, I know, sounds like you got maybe a little steelhead itch back there. Sounds like you're now you're hitting the moving waters. It sounds like your fly fishing evolution is, is, 
you know, hitting the accelerator, what do you want to do next? It, it definitely is starting to feel that way. Um, the itch for steelhead is, is, uh, very real. Um, trying to kind of coop up a last minute trip for the fall here to maybe get into some salmon as well while we're up there, but I'll definitely be going back next spring for the spring run again. Um, was just so much fun as far as the next couple of years you know i don't have anything super set in stone but i'd love to uh expand what i'm doing um with fly fishing into more areas of my life and and uh however that looks i'm ready to take it on and yeah and uh yeah i'm just excited for it love it so if you ever want to come south which probably only like 20 minute drive for you um you got my cell give me a shout we got a couple lakes we need to hit up yeah i'd love to i'd love to let's make it happen sam thanks for for taking the time to do this man um good luck this weekend and uh hope you catch some uh giant bullies mark i really really appreciate you having me on here um it was an honor man this is it was great i was a little nervous but uh we had a lot of fun you, you nailed it, brother. And and thanks thanks for uh, our mutual friend, Brandon King, for uh, saying, hey, man, you need to get Sam on. He's dialed in, is passionate, and uh, I'm, I'm sure maybe the three of us will hit the water soon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You've been listening tonight to a chat with Sam Doubledam out of West Bank, British Columbia, Canada, heavy equipment operator, passionate still water and river fly fisher. Thanks, folks, for joining us this time around. We'll catch you next time on the show. Thanks for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, powered by theflycrate.com, your source for all things fly fishing. Wait for it films featuring fly fishing videos and camera-related content, custom music from Damian Anderson, and by brokentippet.com.